Hello, welcome to the CEO Podcast um, Network. And uh, we've got today Vivian Schutte as our guest. And you are, uh, even though you're a nonprofit, we'll just say you are the CEO of Brookwood Community. And my yeah. name is uh, Birgit Camps. And um, I have known Vivian for several years now. And I've had the blessing of seeing uh, the power of, you know, really wanting to fulfill a vision and being committed to it no matter what. And it's also clear that I'm not the only one who's biased about how great Brookwood is because recently even we've had uh, the government of Taiwan come in to check out who you guys are. You've had celebrities come over and check out who you are. It's, uh, you know, you really are transforming the way the world sees adults with disabilities. And I'm saying it that way because our listeners are not privy to the language you guys use at Brookwood. And that is one of your secret sauces, so to speak, because you really honor people there. And they are not called adults with disabilities, nor adults with special needs. They're called citizens. And, uh, and now we also have what's called community members and not employees. And um, I'm going to turn it over to you, Vivian, but uh, really, um, I'm very, out of all the organizations, I've had the pleasure of knowing and seeing, wow, you guys really, really get to know human beings as individuals in a world that tends to see human beings as commodities. And um, I want you to kind of say, what, what do you think are some of the reasons you've succeeded? And then... I will uh, also ask you a question later, which is clear by the title of this podcast, CEO Blind Spots, which is what were some and what are some of the blind spots you've been um, told or have been revealed to you. So everyone uh, knows how wildly successful you are. I do want you to add two or three more points, even though traditionally you and your mother hate saying those points <laughs> because you always are giving credit to, to God <laughs> and others. But, uh, but I do want you to say that and then let us know about your journey, including, you know, if you're willing to speak about, you know, really the trials in your, in your younger years and how Brookwood even came to be. So, uh, Vivian, the show's all yours now. First, first, BK, um, I want to thank you for the opportunity to share some of our most painful moments. And when I say our, um, brought to you by Vivian Schutte, but certainly included many more people here at Brookwood. And wasted pain is wasted. And I thank you for opportunities such as this to be able to share some of the uh, aha moments um, that have been brought to my attention. So Brookwood is a village. We're an entire, really like a town where we celebrate neurodiversity. We are not the norm. Uh, we are way outside the box and um, because we truly have um, experienced that our citizens have more to give to us as community members than, or as parents or as siblings than we will ever be able to give to them. Patience, determination, 
you know, I remember, and I'm skipping a little bit, but when uh, we had a nine-week audit by the Department of Labor, and I think that might speak to some other CEOs out there who are mm -hmm. particularly be dreading that. I just remember wanting to exhibit the characteristics that our citizens have every day, which is determination, it's patience, it's grace. It's wanting truly to, to understand this world and where, uh, you know, people are coming from. And uh, they're just amazing. And everyone at Brookwood works. Mm. And if you're a, uh, maybe a quadriplegic and you can't measure your IQ at Brookwood, you're a supervisor. And your job is simply to smile or maybe to have your arms that might be paralyzed to hold the ribbon that is used to make as many as 17,000 ornaments a year. Wow. We grow 48,000 poinsettias. <laughs> and the only reason it's 48,000 is that's all the room we have. Um, HEB, uh, just listening to another podcast, they were talking about HEB and they have just um, allowed us to be a recipient of their Tournament of Champions, one of five nonprofits, and it was just amazing. And, and what, what, what was some of the criteria that had you be one of the five? Changing, creating a paradigm shift as we know it and being a thought leader mm -hmm. in our area of expertise and um, having core values that uh, are very similar to HEB and to their commitment to excellence. And we have an incredible commitment to excellence because uh, what we have a handbell choir we play in three octaves. We play the national anthem at the Astros game. We are not going on the road and not be beyond your expectations. And so um, the Texans have been awesome to us. They actually, if you go to a Texans game, uh, when the special teams score, then Brookwood gets money. And it's called special teams for special needs. And because we don't take a dime from the government mm -hmm. and yet try to turn no one down because they can't pay, we give 1.2 million in tuition assistance. And we feel that God has not only called us to serve the um, neurologically diverse, but the economically diverse. And that and does really take a community to support such a vision, doesn't it? Like you it said, does. the Texans and, and your other donors, it's really, it's really a community effort. And you, you, my experience of you is you've been phenomenal at, uh, I think that's one of, you know, your blind spot in a positive way, how gifted you are in having communities work together for a common goal. Well, I, as I say many times, no one is rocking their newborn baby, praying they'll get into Brookwood. Mm. This is not a choice. This is not 
oh, if we had money, they can go to the best private school. And so we just believe that God has called us to serve a segment of, pop, of our population, of, of his population, and not a segment that only has money. Yeah. So, and we try to rely, since we don't have any government funding, our goal is to rely less and less on private sector donations and more and more on our many enterprises. That yeah. Horticulture and crafts. Yeah. And so for being a nonprofit, you're one of the most entrepreneurial organizations I've come across. And uh, I don't know whether you think that's from your family or if it's just how, well, how it, did that happen? <laughs> well, it, it happens through failure. You, you know, my mother, so my sister was one and got mumps, encephalitis, meningitis. And back 63 years ago, if you had a disability, you were secreted away and you were put in an institution. Mm -hmm. My mother believed Vicki got sick in an instant. She thought she can get well in an instant and uh, sought out to teach her, which was crazy because you couldn't teach people, you know, with disabilities. And, this, and the understanding of this world. Yes, exactly. Yes. And so anyway, long story short, um, mother started a school and then uh, he got to be about 25, still can't measure her IQ and she's still nonverbal, but last year she planted 10,000 flats using one skill of brass a pot, put it in a flat. Um, so as we say, everyone works. And how we came upon what we now call the Brookwood Way, by the way, it's trademarked uh -huh. uh, now, but um, was trial and error. And it's mainly through failure that you learn. We know very well what does not work. Hmm. And we have now challenged ourselves over the last five years to document what we have found to work, which is basically, we call it extreme citizenship, hmm. making sure that every person is using whatever God-given gifts they've been given to fulfill upon their vision and have purpose. We all need purpose. Yes. And, and when I did a tour there and the times I've been there, what's impressive uh, in any corporation and any organization is the amount of engagement that that you have there with your um, citizens as you call them and uh, that that is what a role model how you have figured out to um, really match what they can do to a job so that they do feel accomplished and proud of their work rather than putting them in a, in a role or in a job that they just could not perform and, and feel like they were failures. So I appreciate you uh, continuing to fail forward. <laughs> and, I don't uh, know if I've, if I've shared with you our, our latest job, you know, uh, Bob Ryan, absolute precious 60 year old with Downs. You know, he was our director of security for years and was one of our seven sheriffs. Well, Barbara Bush used to love to come to Brookwood. And on her last visit, which was in December before she died mm -hmm. in April, Bob bonded with not Barbara, but her secret service. 
and Brody uh, became a dear friend of Bob's, got him a brass Secret Service United States of America pin. And if you know much about the Downs, you know that once they get something in their mind, you'd better get and make it happen immediately. So the next day, he had a black suit, black tie. We had a, the sheriff's department help us with one of those little squiggly things that come from your ear. And we now have the Secret Service here at Brookwood. That's fantastic. And sometimes and he works undercover in our cafe. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. extreme citizenship. We will find a job. Well, I, I happen to know that you got your degree from the University of Texas in Austin in both uh, special education and psychology. Do you feel that the that is a prerequisite to know how to you know, give everyone a job with different skills and different challenges? Or is it mostly from looking at your mom? Can you kind of tell us how do you, I mean, what you guys do is, like you said, outside the box special, and it works. Well, I, I like to say, so my sister's name is Victoria Lee. Straight. Okay. So, you know, you've heard of Washington and Lee. So everybody says, where did you go to college? I said, Victoria Lee and the University of Wilson. <laughs> and so growing up with a sister in a time where no brothers or sisters with special needs were living in homes and then um, majoring in special ed and um, actually then adopting when I was pregnant with my first who, quote, in my mind, was going to Harvard or UT himself, uh, we actually socially adopted uh, James with uh, Downs. He was about 40, and his parents had both passed away, so I do know how to have fun, and we had him, and then as God would have it, my firstborn has special needs. And, and, and so you Wilson. were holding him in your arms, not thinking. <laughs> Absolutely. Be... I, that's how I know no one's rocking their yeah. newborn baby. Right. They'll get into Brookwood. I was stunned. We don't have any genetic uh, mm -hmm. you know, prerequisite to special needs. If he was born perfectly normal, which I don't know, basically normal is just a setting on a dryer but I think it might help the listeners know. Yeah. So, uh, yes, so then I had my own. And in reality, um, the, the formal uh, education is just really what it is, formal education. It's that hands-on life experience, understanding the need for trust, not just trust of family, but having the people that we serve or that serve us really mm -hmm. trust us and trust one another. And they don't teach that in school. Um, they have a box and you need to fit in it. And we view our citizens as square pegs. And that world out there is a round hole. And you can try to cram that square peg in that round hole, but no matter how hard you try, you don't quite fit. Mm -hmm. So Brookwood is a square hole. 
mm. where square pegs fit. Beautiful. However, we have 55,000 visitors a year come to Brookwood. You did say 55,000, right? Thousand, yes, to eat and to shop and to have events here and we have over 7,000 volunteers and that says a lot age eight all the way through retirement and we have a young advocates program where we teach the unique giftedness to the younger people and then they come and volunteer so our citizens instead of our citizens going into a community where the people aren't quite educated. We invite the, the community at large to come to our square hole and to learn all about the uniqueness of our people. Yeah, and one thing I've heard you say over and over, and, and not until I went to Brookwood did I understand it, is that they actually teach us and when I was there, I finally got what you meant. And, and they teach us the things that, you know, really matter the most. Yes. And, and, you know, you come in there a semi-arrogant thinking, as you said, I'm normal, they're not, and I'm, I'm smart, and I don't know about them. And then you come there, it's a really humbling and, and beautiful experience. And the way you, you all relate to everyone any human being and and as you said what what does normal mean anyway but everyone gets honored at brookwood and that's that's really amazing so like i said i i could go on for another 10 hours about how fantastic brookwood is and i'm not the only one you know as the visitors are coming the volunteers are coming the governments from other countries are coming uh, various universities are studying you guys, wow. and it all, you know, and, and I know it started with, um, in fact, your mom has a book out called Everyone's Got a, sew, a Seed to Sew, and it started with an idea, and then you took it over, and uh, so to speak, and so now, you know, that's that right there could be pretty challenging, right, going from one leader to another, all in the same family, and, you know, you've experienced what it's like to interact with all types of people since, since young age. But what would you say um, was an aha moment for you as a leader? You know, I know you said earlier, you, you, you learned by failing. And uh, for as long as I've known you, you've said, I failed my way to success. But if you, if you'd have to pick one thing, like there's a lot of leaders who might be aware of something that they're failing at, but you know, what about something that you didn't know you were failing at until, you know, it became so painful that, that either someone told you or you, you know, the, the blind spot area, which is really what we're looking well, to discover and learn from, you know, failing as a leader hmm. and recognizing the signs and the signs are the organization and the signs are not necessarily in the financials. The signs are in the people that are attracted to to Brookwood. The signs are how are the community members acting towards each other? Mm. How are we in meetings, 
Are we acting as one? Do we even have a common vision? Do we know what it should be? Have we taken the time to find out and to recognize that God knows best? I just think I do. And when you have those moments and when you're fortunate enough to have an incredible mentor, maybe won't mention names, but talking to her now, and she asked you the question, well, who is running Brookwood? Well, God is. Great, Vivian, that's wonderful. What did he tell you he wanted you to know today? Well, what do you mean? Oh, I prayed for, you know, a citizen that was sick. I prayed for our leadership team meeting. I prayed for this. I prayed for that. That's great, Vivian. What does he want you to know? And my listening journey began. Hmm. And that was a pivotal point. And through that, when you're truly listening or trying to, is when you really discover your blind spots. One of my biggest blind spots, as you can't tell from this podcast, I talk too much. <laughs> I don't listen enough. Or I have selective listening. And so you can find out if someone is willing to be honest enough with you, you can discover some blind spots. But what I recognized was, hello, we did not have a truth, safe environment. And if it's not safe to be honest, then you can go on, and I have now come to describe it, is walking along the happy beach. I call it the happy idiot syndrome. Can you walking explain that? along the beach, picking up shells, aren't things great? And there is a tsunami coming. Mm. Mm. And if you're not, if you don't have a true safe environment, you won't know that there's a tsunami. You'll be surprised by it. Oh, oh, and wonder whose fault it was. Recognizing everything starts with the leader. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I tell you the day I had to really absorb anything that's going on in the organization that's <laughs> not what you would want, you can trace it all the way back to the person at the top. Yeah, and, and you and you, you know, you say something interesting, which is you you had to create a safe environment for people to speak up or speak the truth. And I think you know, a lot of leaders don't realize that um, you know, in their mind it's a safe environment, they want to hear the truth, but it's it's challenging for people to confront the leader. 
and um, you you are fairly a uh, fairly easy to talk to person, but um, it's a it's creating a safe environment in the particular area and the particular areas and talking to the one who writes your paychecks, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so how, how did you get there? Because that's, that's definitely something that I think most, most leaders through, are not aware of. Through pain. <laughs> through, a turnover through fraud. or fraud. Through, oh, yeah, oh, all I mean, kinds of challenges. Talk. It's, it's through turnover. It's through um, having someone in the business office uh, buying computers uh, for herself and buying used ones for us. And it's through um, having a uh, leader in one of the departments that um, was a shoplifting addict. And I had never even heard of one mm. and would uh, take our citizens uh, shopping and buy things that were actually not for them. And, uh, wow. I hear a lot of pain, a lot pain, of pain. Yeah. Pain and, and getting to call parents and tell them what has happened because we are very transparent is the number one. Yeah. And so yeah. you learn that people might not have known exactly what was happening, but they knew something was wrong, but because they suspected or uh, had an impression that we were very close, they need a paycheck and they don't want to lose their job by bringing something to my attention that might have me think less of them. Especially so, if in that case, what you're saying is they felt like you were friends or you thought highly of the person doing the inappropriate behavior, shall I say? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So and that's your biggest danger. Yes. And, uh, and since then you have had people come and reveal things oh, to you. So, oh. uh, but that was not an overnight journey, right? So, so that is definitely um, being willing to listen and being willing to, to, to show um, that you do invite that is, uh, and, is definitely and key. Receiving honest feedback can really only happen when you recognize it's part of fulfilling upon the vision you must be more committed to fulfilling upon the vision than being hurt personally because it can hurt. But if you trust that it's in good faith and that it's part of creating a truth safe environment, then it's a little easier to take. It's never fun. No, but the reward and I think that's that's one of the biggest keys you just revealed is stay focused on the purpose of everything is to fulfill upon the vision. Yeah. And so as a leader, you must not just yourself be clear about your vision, but be be someone who keeps it in existence for others and who shows that when you take actions that support the vision, fulfill the vision, um, 
we support that no matter whether it's good news or bad news. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And yeah. it's, it can be very, it's, it's always humbling. Yes. Always humbling. <laughs> yes. So when, when you look now, uh, you know, in, into the future, what, you know, what are some of the key things that you're now focused on? And, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, our listeners that, that are in organizations that are for profit, but also there'll be listeners in nonprofits in, you know, for me, one of my blind spots was when I start working with some of the nonprofit leaders was that I thought, Hey, it's, it's gotta be so much easier in nonprofits and there won't be, there won't be any politics. There won't be any overtime. And yeah, that was my blind spot. I'm like, wow, it's, it's almost the opposite in a way. And at the same time, it's always, it's also greatly rewarding because the vision is so clear, but you have a pretty big vision yourself. So how do you, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about how you see your future and what, what you want others to know about in terms well, of the vision. First of all, you know, I am a, um, a spiritual person and Brookwood is uh, faith-based. And so I just love it um, when an applicant will come and say, uh, I just really want to work for a God-centered uh, place. I'm just, you know, I'm tired of corporate America. And I want a place where, you know, people are sharing their faith. And I have to remind them that um, we are committed to following God's will, which means the battle is great. Hmm. And the more you are committed to serving him, the more opposition you typically get. Buckle up. Are you ready for the journey? So, um, and you could the, argue the bigger the bigger the vision you have, the the bigger the challenges. <laughs> well, and and you were such an instrumental part in um, helping me clearly define. Uh, the vision so that others can catch it. And I remember um, we'd gotten a letter that the Department of Labor was going to come audit. And all I had ever heard was you would prefer an audit 10 times a year from the IRS before (laughs) you would ever want to endure an audit by the Department of Labor. And so uh, didn't know what we were up against, but you challenged me about 10 minutes before they came. And you said, Vivian, are you sure that that your vision needs to be this big? Because big visions create big issues. And I really took that to God. And I said, and I'm sure you were saying it, not thinking it was too big, knowing you, but just having us really think about that. And I got a very strong green light and just knew that whatever we went through with this government agency would be just the beginning. And are, are we committed 
and you get a lot of chances to ask. <laughs> yeah, you really do. And, uh, and I think now that, that you've become so clear about your commitment, I mean, you guys have always been committed to that, but, but the level at which you're now committed, in a way, it makes it um, easier to match uh, people that you then employ because it it definitely takes a certain amount of thick skinness, uh, persistence, clarity. I mean, you have to be all in committed. Humility. Humility oh. uh, actually, I think that's probably the biggest one. Well, <laughs> humility and if you're not with humble persistence. Going in, just give it some time <laughs> and don't pray for it. <laughs> I, you know, uh, we were starting 2019 and I love to get away. It's so important for leaders to get away and have think time. And so I'd gotten away and my husband was with me and really I felt God was saying, you know, that our focus for 2019, it's always, always to create a truth safe environment. Because if you start with the question, what would put your organization or company on the nightly news in a negative light. Mm. If you start with that question and you answer that, that has to be your number one focus. And for us, it would be abuse, neglect, or fraud. Mm. And so I have to then go back. You know, you can have all the training in the world. You can do everything according, but the reality is if someone's not willing it's an hourly person to come up and share that another direct support person is planning on slipping on the wa on water that night after they've given a citizen a bath and they're going to sue Brookwood. Mm. If someone's not willing to tell you that, then you're in trouble. So true safe environment is always number one, but number two, was that all people would understand their role, no matter what it was, if it's a server in the cafe or if it's a horticulturist or a home teacher, that they would know how they are fulfilling upon the vision. Oh, feeling so good about that. Oh, God, thank you. That'll be so awesome. And of course, you're thinking, can't be that hard. So my husband was with me, who happens to work here also. He works in the retail as a hatter with our citizens. And so I would try it on him. Neil, do you know how you renovating hats and selling hats and, you know, getting our guys involved in the hat business here at Brookwood is fulfilling upon our vision to change the way the world Oh, no, it's fulfilling upon our vision. And I didn't mention the vision. And he said, let me think about it. What's the vision again? <laughs> Ouch. Oh, my husband. What's the vision? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Work to do. Another aha moment was recognizing that leadership and blind spots it is not a destination. It's a journey. <laughs> it's a journey. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a journey. I remember when I had discovered my first 16 blind spots. And I just wrote them down. This was without notes. This was not 46. 
And mm. I'm recognizing, and if I were more diligent, that would be 400. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we all have blind spots and we can, and it's like the layer of an onion, you know, the more you grow, the, and the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Having said that, which, which blind spot would you say uh, was the biggest needle mover for you in terms of, you know, performance? Because there's usually that one big one that if you discover, it immediately impacts the organization in a big way. So, so out of all the I ones you discovered, which one yeah, would you say I, I is the big one? The one of, you know, me telling God, you know, or in, 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 in my world, that would be called praying, having mm -hmm. your quiet time before work. And I, that is very important. And part of it truly is asking God. So I mentioned that one, but the, the, the other one was the recognition that I was not setting people up, including myself, for success. Mm -hmm. That I was um, not honoring people and that uh, that didn't, I hate to say it, it was not a priority because if you don't know that you're not doing something, it doesn't exist. Mm, very and good point. The, the truth of it is so dishonoring. I could not have answered the question, how will you know in one year if you have hired the right person? Mm -hmm. so, uh, they'll just still be with us. Uh, <laughs> and they'll uh, magically perform great beyond yes. expectation. <laughs> and I began doing exercises like asking every horticulture teacher, what is your job? Every horticulture teacher had a different answer. Mm. Why? I recognized at Brookwood, the way you found out, I call it a target. That means, how do you make an A? So the way you found out what your target was as a community member to help fulfill upon the vision, the way you found out was to miss it. Mm -hmm. You miss the target and you'll find out you missed it. Then you can make an assumption of what it might be. How unfair is that? Yeah. And Boy, and, that's a that's a big one, isn't it? So to, oh. to once you discover that you're not clear about your expectations and and how dishonoring that is, and uh, and like you said, if you don't if you don't know you're doing it, it's it truly is a blind spot until it gets revealed. Because, I mean, you were super honoring, are super honoring to to the citizens, the adults with you know special needs, and so all the focus was there. Yes. Well, and then, you know, your own team members or community members, that was not the focus, but you didn't know that there was a missing there until. And, and I didn't really know, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about corporate America. It can feel like your main customer are the stockholders. Mm. Your main customers are your internal people. Yes. And 
my gosh, it, that was so revolutionary. And, and how did you discover that one? That that you were not the, setting people up to succeed because you they oh, you know. Uh, uh, let, let, hello, can, hello. <laughs> can we call? How would you like to describe it? There's really one word. It's called turnover. <laughs> okay. Yes. And <laughs> in our world, uh, direct support professionals are the people that are cutting the toenails and bathing the citizens and um, just, you know, being with them. And the national uh, rate for uh, turnover is at 72%. Mm. It's a very, very, very high turnover. And ours was just 77%, not that <laughs> far off. But then you recognize having turnover, having someone that is in the most personal part of your life as a citizen be someone different, that's devastating. And Every week someone different, yeah. And, you know, it's, I was just, we need to work on this. And then someone asked the question, tell me something you do that is more important than interviewing. Ooh, it used to feel like an interruption to my day. And I do interview every person that's in citizen life because of that trust factor. But then we began to teach. Then we began to identify, really, what does an A look like? You want to hire people that want to make a really good grade. But if they don't even know what the test is going to cover, how can they make a name? So then we began to identify what it looked like. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, we're recognizing the power and negative impact of gossip. In the meantime, we're finding out that, it, not we, how do you like the way I'd still like to say we, I was finding out. I am the source of lack of accountability. If my word doesn't have meaning and truth to it, how can someone else? So you're discovering this and then you begin to onboard. But under all of it is truly caring. Not just caring that they do a good job. Before they'll do a good job, they have to know you care about them and not fake, real. Our turnover rate is now 12%. Wow. 12%. That and speaks volumes. The blind rarely. spot of, of discovering that you weren't being clear about expectations, not setting them up to succeed, and then, you know, taking steps to become clear. Uh, you saw it in the facts. You saw it in the turnover and then the lack of turnover. So I think that's a huge contribution um, for you to share with, you know, other leaders and continue to share that because I think, you know, a, a lot of people, if, it, if it's uh, turnover on purpose, um, is what some well, people will say. we've had 100%, I don't know, intentional turnover. <laughs> I don't know how many people have looked at the organization after you have uncovered some blind spots 
and looked out and gone, we need 100% turnover. And how do you do that now with your new commitment to honor people? Right. And, and it's That's it, a journey. And especially when you're going, when you're doubling, tripling, quadrupling in size, like you have been, and yeah. when you go from one leader to another leader and just, uh, you know, the, the legal challenges that you're now facing, I mean, it's a different external environment as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, being clear who you are, uh, of course, is, is foundational to setting others up to succeed. But, but Vivian, uh, I, I really, I'm so blessed and I feel so honored that you were willing to be on this podcast because I think uh, I really, I'm committed to enhancing the quality of life by enhancing the quality of leadership. And I think leaders leading other leaders by sharing and being willing to be humble like you are is, is a tremendous contribution. And, and it's really back to the community, right? Leaders helping leaders is, is so important. So I well, really, you're really to give my cell number out. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just, Beware what I, you offer. <laughs> I love, you know, we, we now have the Center for Learning and mm -hmm. uh, where we're forming learning groups, you know. And how do people find out about the Center for Learning? Well, do they on our website, which needs to be redone, but it's a brookwoodcommunity.org. Mm -hmm. And then there's a tab, uh, Center for Center for Learning. Yeah. And uh, it's it's just it's such a journey and working with other organizations in our field and they'll call and say, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe what happened. I always start with. I'll bet we can beat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever their challenge is. You know, we you've all, been through it all. <laughs> and all, is the center for learning just for other organizations that are nonprofits, or is it also for for well? I actually have a pretty strong vision, which is scary. I would like to begin. We we've done it with Sam's, and then mm. Walmart came, mm. and I have this vision of Fortune 500 companies or organizations that are not nonprofit. You know, it used to be you go with your leadership team and do the ropes course and do all that challenging things. And I would love to host, um, like we did with Sam's, a um, just a, an opportunity to what I say is experience the fullness of humanity through the transparent and authentic lives of our citizens mm. and get leadership teams to imagine sitting in a leadership meeting, being transparent and authentic, not trying to figure out who's smarter than who, asking for help. Our citizens have no problem asking for help. And then they would spend part of their day planting poinsettias next to our citizens or learning to paint from a citizen or um, being able just to experience playing basketball with them. And, you know, he, you know, in Special Olympics and that person with Down syndrome shoots a basket for the other team. Oh, everybody thinks that's so cute. Isn't that cute? 
But when you ask that individual, hey, you shot a basket for the other team. Why'd you do that? Because they needed points. What if leadership teams would help other departments because they needed points and to begin to work really as one? So our center for learning is really for everyone. We have uh, homeless shelters and it's just a philosophy is what it's really about. Yeah, and if and if any organizations are experiencing any kind of stress or uh, challenges, boy, one visit to Brookwood and it would kind of instantly transform because to me, Going to Brookwood is instant gratitude for everything in your life. And, well, we uh, had an owner of a large car dealership when the new computers came out for GM, and his mechanics were just livid, and they were this, hated it, and we can't do this, and we can't do that now. He just loaded them up on a van from Alvin, brought them out to Brookwood, and said, after our visit, Let's see what we can't do. Beautiful. What a it good. was life-changing. <laughs> it, it really is. Brookwood is life-changing on so many levels. So thank you so much for being willing to be on this podcast today and, you know, continuing to be uh, open as you are transparent. And um, it is such a, an honor to know you and oh. really the whole community. So. Um, uh, well, you have been, I don't know the drift except leaders helping leaders, but um, Birgit, you're the author of the change for the better and the foundation of our ability to have a vision as great as trying or not as great, but as big as trying to truly change the way the world thinks about adults with disabilities. You've given us the tools to have a vision that big. Thank and you. We are so grateful. And, and, and I'm so grateful for your willingness to keep on growing as a leader and keep on contributing to others. And, and just as generous as you've been right now, giving me credit, you're, you're a very generous leader. So oh. thank you. And, uh, thank well, you. uh, all the, all the listeners can go to brookwoodcommunity.org or, uh, buy the book. Everybody's got a seat to sew by your mom, Yvonne Strait. And, uh, well, I don't think I'll give him your cell phone, but I do know that well, you're easy to find and you're easy to reach when they show up at Brookwood. So yeah. thank you so, so much. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Take care.